Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Trash and Treasures, where we watch the movies other people throw away. With me, as always, is Dorothy. And back again, who somehow hung out with us and decided to come back and do it again, is Alexis Sarah. Hi, it's me, Alexis Sarah. Yay, (laughs) we're so glad you came back. Yeah, thanks for coming back. It is a pleasure. It's an honor. And I am not at all being held hostage. (laughs) Uh, you you will be hearing Alexis at least one more time because we definitely owe her one after Jerry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I honestly I love being on the show, so I will be on as many times as they invite me. Oh, <laughs> well, we like having you. Uh, all right, <clears throat> listeners, as you may know, this is Pride Month, where we switch from our biweekly schedule to a grueling for me uh, once a week schedule, so that we can do four gay movies instead of two for the month of June. And this year's theme is gay movies made for straight people, and usually by straight people. And this time uh, is a little bit unique even within that, because we wanted to do, oh god, it's a mess when Hollywood tries to tackle trans subjects at all. So, 1995's Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar... I don't think I'll I'll fit all of that in the title. It'll probably just say Tu Wong Fu. Yeah. It's a film. It was probably the most progressive depiction of something adjacent to trans identity in major Hollywood film in the 90s. Strangely enough, this did n- this in fact came out the year after Priscilla Queen of the Desert, but close enough that they probably weren't in direct response to one another. They were probably in production around the same time. Which blows my mind. Yeah. I, we were watching it. I'd watched it before, but we were rewatching it uh, for this episode. And I, I said something like, well, I assume Priscilla was a response to this, right? Right. It, it seems like it should be because like, no, no, it seems like Priscilla should be. No, no, no. Here is how you will do this correctly. <laughs> yes. And um, it is directed by Beban Kidron. Uh who is an English film director. She has uh, several films before this one. She's still working today, to my knowledge. She is... I do not know her sexuality. I I can say that she is married to a man, weirdly enough. Uh, She is married to Michael Kidron, the guy who wrote the screenplay for Billy Elliot, a movie I like. (laughs) I, I can't believe... This makes the Billy Elliot crack I made when they were had the scene in the ballet studio that, much funnier. <laughs> it's all connected. So put it on the map. T- tie it in. We're going to figure this out. She she did do um, a lesbian movie as one of her earliest films. She did uh, this movie called Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit, which is about um, a, a young lesbian who grew up in an evangelical family and whose family subjected her to exorcisms when they found out she was attracted to another girl. So it's a fun time watch. Oh, what a blast. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but this is a lesbian film. It is. It doesn't know it's a lesbian film. It really doesn't know that it's a lesbian film. <laughs> but like... Yep. Well, it doesn't help that um, we ended up talking about this last year when we were were watching But I'm a Cheerleader, the lesbian film written by a gay man. Guess what this film is written by? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm gonna guess a gay man. Yes, you would be correct. <laughs> this is written by Douglas Carter Bean, a gay American playwright. Yep. 
Um, so this film, it thinks that that it's about drag. A complicated subject. Um, actually, do we do we want to set out a baseline? Because um, part of uh, part of the reason I, I conscripted poor Alexis for this episode is that drag drag kings are a thing, but drag as a cultural phenomenon is far more tied and you know an issue to and potential danger to trans women. So I wanted to have a trans woman on who could speak more more relevantly. <laughs> Alexis, yeah. what are your feelings on drag? Okay. Okay. So there's um, the spot. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I, I intended to it. talk about this, but it's like, so I have a lot of negative feelings about drag. It doesn't mean that drag is bad. Um, obviously uh, drag has been extremely important historically for trans women, especially trans women of color. Um, it's been a space where trans women could explore themselves before it was commodified for cis consumption and turn into a thing for gay men. Much as gay men love to do, which is steal from black trans women uh, and say that they made it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's about where I'm at, too. You know, we are we are big John Waters fans on this podcast. I I I like a lot of classic drag. I like the theory of drag as like this, you know, as a non-binary person. I like the concept of drag as like this parody of gender in an over the top way, but it has certainly become harmfully commodified. And then I have and to also feeds into a lot of dangerous stereotypes mm-hmm. yes. about men in dresses and you just pop it off at the end of the day and all of that. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. so much. And also I... if I hear one more cis person talk about how great RuPaul's drag race is, I'm going to claw off my face and throw it into the sun. Mood. I mean, okay, like, I remember, this is before I came out, um, my dad, who accepts me, and accepted me pretty much immediately after I came out as trans, uh, but, like, before I came out, I had painted my nails, me and my uh, partner went on, like, a, a like a little spa day together, and then he uh, saw me, and he's like, what are you trying to be, some kind of drag queen? Like, and I just, I remember that, like, stuck with me, because I was already out to myself, I just hadn't come out to him. Right. And it was just like, oh my gosh, and, like, and, like, right, and, like, it was very much his perception of trans people in general, like, I mean, he's talked to me pretty frankly about his, like, you know, like where he was before I talked to him about things and he went to go educate himself after, which is, you know, what makes made it okay. Like, I was like, okay, fine. It still traumatized me. I was still like, oh my God. Yeah, that sounds upsetting. I'm sorry yeah. that happened to you. Yeah, no, I mean, my dad did all sorts of um, stuff that definitely didn't sit well with me in my period where I was out to myself, but not out to him. Or he'd like start talking, like, you got a man up. It's time to be a man in the house. You need to do this and stuff. I'm like, no, I don't. Oh, God, please, Dad, stop. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm cis, so I can't really speak to a lot of that. But um, my mom definitely, through a lot of my adolescence, um, put forth this whole low-key rhetoric about what lesbians do. And it was just sort of soaked into everything she told me about how I should dress and present myself. Don't cut your hair so short. And bisexuals don't exist, so. Yes, of course. Of course, of course. Classic. So I, I can, to some extent, understand how that just sort of soaked in mentality can can be really affecting. Yeah. Which I think is why we wanted to talk about movies like this this month, mm-hmm. is because these are the movies made for straight people that are culturally accessible and are driving a lot of conversations in people's perceptions. 
Right. Like this is this is different from talking about something like female trouble, which is com- is a weird indie mo- like countercultural movie coming out of the queer scene and is a very different conversation about gender and all of that shit. But and then there's this, which is about how drag queens who are actually trans women the way the film depicts them more or less are are sexless fairy godmothers for small town rural straight people. And also you shouldn't just go around assuming that people are homophobic or transphobic because that's just a few bad apples and we're going to mock them and then nobody in America will want to be like those guys. And then that's how we solved racism. Yay. <laughs> Holy shit this movie. Holy shit. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my god, this movie. Can I, I want to add to that. Uh, oh my god, this movie. <laughs> um, and it's trying so hard to be like a really positive film. And oh my god, this movie. Yep. Uh, so for listeners at home, you can get this movie on streaming. I I don't know why you would because I don't think it's it, it's one you have to pay for. I don't think it's just on any subscriptions. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find any subscriptions. I would have thought. I, luckily, uh, maybe your public library has it. Libraries if you really want to watch this movie, force a librarian to to blow off the dust from the <laughs> from the like DVD cover from like the ten printings that it must have had. Because yeah. people right. must have your loved it so much. May also have access to streaming services like Canopy or one of those. That's true. So your library card can get you access to a lot of stuff. Remember, kids. Use your local library. It's really good. They babysat me so many weekends. (laughs) (laughs) So for those who are going to be coming into this secondhand just to watch the train wreck happen, the premise of this film is it begins at the New York Drag Queen of the Year event. I don't think that this the result of this event is something that would ever happen. I feel like there I don't feel like a tie. Yeah. Oh, we're just gonna have double prizes, and we've already got two tiaras. Like it must have been a setup. Like, like they must have decided in advance. Like that's the only way it makes sense. Like they, they will, both of them are gonna win this. Doesn't matter who else shows up. <laughs> Let's be real. They wanted to set it up and hope for some kind of some kind of death match. Yes. I mean, I would watch Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes fight it out. Oh, by the way. Yes, um, this movie commits the original sin that basically all Hollywood films involving trans people do. They cast cis male actors. I mean, some Hollywood movies about trans people cast cis female actors. (sighs) Seriously, folks, you need to bring the same heat towards Rachel Weisz that you did towards Scarlett Johansson. I know you have a crush on her from The Mummy. We all do. (laughs) But please. Clearly, um, the, the Caw the Snake from the remake of the Jungle Book fandom is the where Scarlet stands are. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Uh, so our two winners, yes, are played by Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes, uh, Noxima Jackson and Vita Boehm. Reverse that. Yep. Uh, yes, Wesley Snipes is playing Noxima Jackson and... Patrick Swayze is playing Vita Boehm. And so they are going to have a all expenses paid trip to California where they will enter the national finals drag competition. But on their way out from the competition that night, they happen to see a baby trans girl 
who is, or baby drag queen to use the film's parlance, who is very upset and is, you know, has clearly secondhand clothes and a, and a tattered wig and is feeling very upset with herself. And so because Vita is a fixer, she decides they're going to take this, this small infant who was played this by is John. exactly the moment I hated this movie. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, yeah, please. No, please. That was terrible. <laughs> as soon as it was like little Latin boy in a dress, excuse me, little Latin boy in a dress. I was like, please. The race stuff in this movie is weird. Uh-huh. They, like, make the black character be racist. Yep. So, yep. And not, then have the black character char- call out the white character's racism, but the black character's still being pretty racist. Yes. Uh-huh. Very racist. I was like, what the hell? Like, why is this happening? Like, you think you just write people being racist because they're sassy and gay and black? Like, it's, it's fucked. And then there's a moment later where they, where they call out uh, Vita for her white savior, like, existence and the fact that she's bossing all these other characters around but nothing really comes of it and it pivots pretty quickly to her tragic backstory instead yeah like i even wrote it in my freaking notes white uh white man lectures racist that was like i'm glad that he could do it yep yeah or she you know right again now the pronouns are gonna be all flipped up in this movie because they use she uh-huh, her pronouns this movie exclusively basically mm-hmm so I want to use she, her for them, but like my notes of the first, I was like, okay, this is drag. I have to assume that they use he hit like, right. That they're going to be like changing between because they're drag queens. Right. Except right. we never see them out of drag. They are full time. So. Right. They're all full timers. So it's like, you've written about trans women and called it drag. Yes. Yep. I'm sorry. Uh, but so, anyway, John Linguizamo. <laughs> yes. John Linguizamo, who was 31. 31. When this film was made and is playing uh, Chi-Chi, who is clearly supposed to be 19 at most, but probably like 17. And we just sort of slide over the fact that it's repeatedly referenced that, you know, she's a sex worker and has this horrible backstory, but we just sort of glide over that. Yeah, no, no trauma here. No, no, no. 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 Oh, my God. The whole writing of her character is... Bad? Bad. Yes. Uh, terrible? Because, <laughs> like, the, she she is... The so, writing is bad and the casting is bad. Mm-hmm. It's like, she would still be on, I think, a, on some level annoying because she is this character... She's one of those ditzy characters. Uh-huh. But at least if... But it would be, like, Marilyn Monroe level if it weren't John Leguizamo. Right. If this were, like, visibly a 17-year-old, it would be like, oh, honey... You're so dumb and you don't know anything about the world. You need to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. It's super weird because they sexualize John Leguizano in this movie. You know, and nobody asked for that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so like if your movie was trying to say something, maybe this would be like, look, we're using a man in drag to show you that your preconceived notions about sexuality and your assumptions about trans women are inaccurate. Here's an actual guy. And, like, we're making you attracted to him, maybe? I would still be upset, but, like, with the extra element of, like, you're supposed to objectify her as a girl, but know that she doesn't identify as a... I'm like, what is happening here? What are you trying to say? (laughs) What's going on, 90s? Why? Why? What? Yeah, yeah, this is not a case at all of, like, Divine, who had a hardline 
like divide between when she was performing as divine and when he would do pants rolls like out in his day-to-day life like these are these are women they even when they are not competing they wear feminine clothes and their wigs yeah functionally and they go to sleep in girl pajamas then it's not like they're like oh let me sleep naked or something (laughs) like it i don't We, we do see them topless at the very beginning of the film well, so and what is honestly a very well shot sequence. Mm-hmm. Like the sequence of them putting on their faces, um, Snipes and uh, and Swayze, is a very well shot sequence. And I, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so frustrating because right there's there's because good pieces of filmmaking. There's good pieces of filmmaking, but also I feel like the way it's shot would be invasive to an actual trans woman. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, but I feel like the way it's shot is so heavily focused on the idea that there's a disjunction between the actions and the bodies involved. Right, like it's a transformation of maleness into femaleness or whatever. Yeah, it sucks. So these two seasoned women take uh, Chi-Chi under their wing and they go to a local club where Vita is struck by the image of a photo of Julie Newmar. Oh, also Robin Williams is there playing functionally... His character from the birdcage. Uh-huh. For some reason. I forgot Robin Williams is in this film. He has one scene. Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, what the... Is that is that the genie? Uh-huh. No, no, that's not the genie anymore. There's a new genie in town. <laughs> oh. And he is a nightmare. The New York scenes are so weird because, like, between Robin Williams and then the drag competition, except for the three leads, uses actual queens from the New York scene, I believe. RuPaul is certainly there. Oh, yay. In a, uh, in a sarcastic stars and bars dress. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what? What, what are you doing? I, I was shook then. I was willing to be like, okay, so they're being a little bit, like, racist already. Um, but, like, but... the joke is, I guess I'm everything that people who follow this flag would hate or something, but, like... Yikes! Yikes! I mean, it does sound like a RuPaul ass choice, not yeah. out of character for Ru. And like the racism against Chi-Chi doesn't stop. No, it does it not. It is stop. unrelenting till the end of the film. Even the boyfriend character is still being racist in that he's intensely exoticizing her. Right. Yeah, he literally says that she is exotic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exotic. I just wrote, you're exotic, dot, 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 in my notes. Yeah, so they see, so Vita sees this photo of Julie Newmar, which is where the title comes from. It's the most esoteric title ever. And they decide to steal this photo, and they're going to sell their plane tickets and do a road trip to, uh, across from New York to California. And everything else that happens is kind of on them at the point at which they buy the car. Yep. Because dude on the lot is like, this car isn't going to make it to California. Yeah, that's the most honest car salesman in the world. <laughs> right? And they just decided to ignore him. Hi, this more expensive car. It, I promise you that it is, it is not as good and you will die. <laughs> it's a classic a caddy. <laughs> it's not going to happen. 
And then they make a du- th- this plot also relies on the idiot ball because they briefly drive through the neighborhood where Vita grew up and she has a moment where she remembers her shitty parents. And I was very confused because the other characters kept asking, like, why'd you move away from here? Why don't you live here anymore? Like, like bitch, you know why. Uh-huh. Or you should. It's it, it was super confusing to me because I was like, okay, well, clearly the mom knows how this character dresses. Mm-hmm. So again, it is once again equating a trans narrative in which, right? Because it's like, if it was just because like she was gay, mm-hmm. like it would have been like, oh, like they probably would have been like, who the fuck is that person in that car? Because she would have had to improve her drag at some point. Was it like she was a master? Like, oh, yes, this is exactly how I looked when I moved out of your house. Yeah, at the age of 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, surely you two young, like, you, you two women are also aware of why people don't talk to their parents. Yes. Like, they, what, do they both, like, hang out with their parents all parents. the time? Mm-hmm. Like, the fuck? Like, Which sort of makes it seem like like Chi Chi and Noxima just, I guess, popped into existence mm-hmm. with no family history, good or bad. It's yeah. it's extremely weird. So then the plot firmly grasps the idiot ball because in a fit of pique, Vita tears up their map. Which is how they end up with their car breaking down in Did we decide I don't know what state it's supposed to be. Somewhere in the south. Mm-hmm. Not North Dakota. <laughs> it's probably Georgia. <laughs> I don't know places where white people live, sorry. And then there's a super upsetting scene played for comedy where they're stopped by a homophobic racist cop. Played by Chris Penn. Yeah. The lesser known Penn. Yep, the lesser Penn. I mean, he's uh, probably the better Penn. I mean, yes. Although that's not a very high bar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The bar is on the floor. Perhaps he managed to step over it. <laughs> and again, Vita's traveling companions are surprised to learn that her name on her driver's license is not her name. Again, like, what is this? Like, again, like, is, just, is, she, is she trans? But this, like, and earlier they, they explicitly state that she isn't trans. Right. They have this whole horrible conversation. Oh, oh the worst awful. conversation. Where they lay out the mentality, ethos, and rules of the filmic world. Mm-hmm. Where uh, a man who puts on a dress and gets his sexual kicks that way is a transvestite. Well, a straight man. Excuse. A straight man. A man trapped in a woman's body, to use the er, no, parlance... woman... Uh, a woman trapped in a man's body, to use the parlance of the 90s, who has the surgery specifically... Yes. ...is a transsexual. And a gay man who has too much fashion for one gender is a drag queen. You know, which is a, an odd way to say that you're a drag queen and not, like, that maybe you're non-binary or something. Like, I I want to play with gender. Yeah. It's so much. Although, again, Vita's clearly not playing. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's she's not playing. This ain't no fucking game for her. Or, like, Chi-Chi either. Yeah. Like, she was willing to go full-time, pretend to be a person's wife, and never have sex with them. She read Madam Butterfly and was convinced she could pull it off. Yeah. I think you mean M. Butterfly. I do. <laughs> it, it, that conversation... Also good with race. I, that was my first oh. break conversation where I was like, 
I am going to take a minute. From the, I'm going to do something else for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Because, I was like, like what, okay. What the hell is this? And I feel like this, I can't say that this movie was well known enough to be like all of the, re- like this movie did not single-handedly cause anything because I don't think it did that well, but it is certainly reflective of the still present narrative where the only trans narrative is a surgical narrative. Yeah. And, and so it's like because these drag characters queens. are not seeking surgery, ipso facto, they must not be trans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like, right. It's, it's super like insulting to drag queens too. I was like, if I was a drag queen, I wouldn't like this movie either because it's like implying I have to be a cis gay man. And these are the only options in which I can be a drag queen, even though trans women are obviously drag queens and started drag. Right. Yeah. And trans lesbians can do it and straight men can do drag. Like, the, anyone can do drag. It's not that hard. It is just performing on a stage that is quantified as drag and then you're doing drag. Yeah, but th- this movie presents these hardline categories that don't cover huge swaths of the populations it's actually talking about. Yeah. It's so, like, where did did the screenwriter live? Like, what bougie section of the gay community was this dude a part of that he is so off the mark about everything? He probably just talked to Rue. Oh my god. He probably just took some notes. Rue and him had one conversation. It's like, hey, you want to be in a movie? I just wrote it while we were talking. I wrote all of it. <laughs> like, but the script just said drag queens are sassy in rural town and they stuck to that there was no actual lines from and i may or may not exclude trans women from my competition show fucking rupaul yes so horrible policeman scene uh this is the first point of the movie where if they had just killed a man the film could have gone a lot easier yeah you could have just stomped down on the back of his neck with your heel yeah, mm-hmm. I got so afraid. Like, from that point on, I was afraid for, like, a part of the movie, too. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, okay, something bad's gonna happen to them. Right. Suddenly, bad things are happening in this silly road trip universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, this police officer uh, stops them, is racist. Yeah, the N-word's in this movie. Yeah. In case you weren't... And, and the S-word. That's true. That's true. There's a lot of slurs in this film. Full of slurs. Just and all, then all makes the Vita get out of the car and sexually assaults her. Yep. Yep. So she punches him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't die. Like, why did you think he would have died? That was my first question. It's like, you punched him one time. Right, you gotta keep going. And then yes, you relied exactly. on the teenager. To be like, yep, he's dead. Bury him. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check, check him off the road. Mm-hmm. Hide his body in the road and hope somebody else runs him over. Yes. And it's a very upsetting scene that makes very little sense, again. But the strangest motif of the movie is born at this point because Vita somehow manages to leave behind her shoe at the scene. And it is a clear plastic pump. Do you get it? Why would you incorporate a Cinderella metaphor here? Yeah. Why would you do that? It was really weird. I thought, like, I, when I saw the shoe and, like, him carrying it, like, at first when he was at the police station, I was like, is he, like, in love with her? Was, <sighs> like, But then I was like, okay, no, he's just extremely transphobic. So transphobic mm-hmm. 
that despite not having any support from the cops, apparently, he managed to just get the cops to do what he wanted anyway. And he had a license to kill. Just anyway. He gets enough funding to set up a road blockade. And he gets like a fucking rifle. They're like, okay, we don't think that who you're looking for is real. But here, have a rifle so that you can kill a person. He said he'd bring back three corpses. He just literally admitted that. It's funny and ineffectual because his name is Dollard, but everybody thinks it's Dollard. So don't be worried about this guy who said he intends to kill people. That just reminded me of this freaking racist joke in the movie when uh, Chi-Chi is like running away from the, the girls and then uh, Noxima is like, she's running like she's running to, from the border. And I was like, this that that joke didn't age well. It was not good at the time. Yeah. It just continued to be bad. <laughs> aged poorly. Uh-huh. Yes, this film has aged like milk. <laughs> that had already kind of been sitting out. Yeah. So after they run from... The, the cop subplot is weirdly backgrounded as a tension factor. Be, for most of the movie, they're just... The, the car gets a little bit further and it breaks down and they end up in this podunk town of like 50 people and that's where they spend the rest of the movie more legs than a bucket of chicken is a bad mental image also chi chi could have just left their asses there with mm-hmm. the car she, she could have been out of this they're beginning one of many moments of this character should be endearing and yet john linguizamo is just playing this shrieking something i mean it really just plays into the way that like the media portrays trans women and therefore you know drag queens because they're you know, interchangeable to them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they all glorify old movie stars. They like traditional femininity. They are backwards in their femininity. But perhaps some of those traditional feminine values can help you. Like, that's yeah. the best you can get out of a... Like, a sex... A little sexism thrown in there. A little spice. Well, and and I think, um, also, with Chi-Chi, a lot of it has to do with... With the fact that... Um, I feel like she's written to embody the quote-unquote spicy Latina stereotype Mm -hmm. because she's the only character that evinces any sexuality. Yeah. Even if she's punished for it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's a very upsetting character. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. As a real-life spicy Latina, I um, (laughs) am... You do not approve? I do not Not approve. (laughs) I'm just like Marilyn Monroe! (laughs) I definitely had a moment of sit back and like, is this character meant to be a reference to um, to Melina in Kiss of the Spider Woman, who is like the touchstone mid 20th century trans woman that they were calling a gay man who is flouncy and who lives entirely through fantasy and recounting old Hollywood films and was protested at the time, which is always a sign. But then Dorothy reminded me this movie is probably not that deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I would never assume that they thought more than what, like, the time it took to do the first draft of the script. (laughs) Yep. There are whole scenes that seem to be missing. Mm -hmm. Like, chunks of movies seem to not be there. Mm -hmm. Which is why I'm convinced this is the first draft and they just just said, that's okay. Check it out, it's fun. This is not like a charmingly below-budget movie where things might be missing. This is a major Hollywood film starring some of the biggest movie stars of the time. Mm -hmm. I cannot stress how big Mm -hmm. Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze were when this movie was made. Right. Patrick Swayze had come off of Ghost at this point. 
No, that is how much it made. How much did it cost? And like, again, ghost. Okay, not as good as Japanese ghost. (laughs) But, like, these were big stars. They spent a lot of money on these stars. And they had the wherewithal to make a decent movie. They didn't. But they could have. You know. Uh, Box Office Mojo isn't giving me the film budget. Boo. I'm guessing less than what they recouped at $48 million. This was a fairly popular movie at the time, I think. Which, again, is why we're talking about movies like this. Uh-huh, because it certainly set a tone. Uh, the middle of the movie is a little bit hard to describe sequentially because it kind of breaks down into this mush of basically each of the three women gravitates towards a set of townspeople and fairy godmothers their problems. Like, yeah. uh, Noxima makes friends with this old woman that everyone assumes can't, you know, can't talk anymore. And they... No, she just knows they're all dumb fucks. Uh-huh. And just doesn't talk to them. She'll be showing up again in one of uh, uh, I, <laughs> the podcast. I love and respect this woman. Uh-huh. Stuck in a town full of idiots, just don't talk to them. It's good. But, but they bond over classic Hollywood film, and it's... Probably the, it's certainly the most neutral. It is it is what we will call the neutral place. I think. I was like, oh, that's a little bit cute. Yeah. Like, I was trying to be positive. The, the scene where they sit and like just rattle off from memory actresses' mo- like m- filmographies is kind of kind of adorable. I'm not gonna lie because they're both they're both talented actors. They have chemistry together. And then. There's Chi-Chi's plot, which is terrible, uh, where is. she awful. falls for the fresh-faced local boy and which decides. And everyone else in the whole uh-huh. town was yeah. sexually assaulted. Why does this ca- which town is funny, have a I guess. band of rapists? It's a town with a population of, like, 14. Like... Yeah, like, everyone else in town is just okay How with the roving band of rapists. How these guys on pitchforks in the fields as a warning to others? <laughs> Like, apparently they're cool with men being super shitty in this town until, until the drag queens liberate yes, them Yes, Noxima teaches them to be polite to women via cock and ball torture. So then it's fixed. Um, also, one lady who's an alcoholic. And then they like her after that. Like, they're not mad. They're not being racist. They're just like, oh, Noxima, you got me. We will stand up for you against an armed police. Also, one lady's alcoholism is cured by getting a makeover. Yep. Solved it. And the one white lady ends up with the black guy she's worked with for years because... Uh, uh, Because the movie needed to pair everybody off. I was just... I wrote in in my notes so fucking straight. Because for a movie which is... Right, no matter which way... We could say it's about a bunch of trans women or we could say it's about a bunch of gay men... Um, but regardless, like, every, it is, they're so heteronormative. Like, it's, I fancy a boy, though. Ah, he doesn't want me. Ah, Mm -hmm. you can have him. Um, oh, meanwhile, the cop is scouring stereotypically gay locations to try and find them. Yep. This is funny. Hilarious. Ha ha. Because he intends to kill them. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, so bad. The town's having a strawberry festival, but they gay it up. Yep. And yeah, Chi-Chi's plot is that she she wants to marry the fresh-faced young boy 
the teen, like the 18 year old who presumably she is also supposed to be the same age as, but she must give him up because the, the young cis girl has the feels for him and she must, she must therefore relinquish her claim. Yeah. Because she would ruin him. If, even though apparently he supports her, he went out there to fight for her uh-huh. against an armed cop. And there, her whole subplot has this weird emphasis on you have to disclose. Like, they're not sexually involved. It's just you have to disclose to a person you are even interested in the state of your genital area. Like, everyone there would get, like, right? Like, it would be highly likely that uh-huh. all three of them would be killed if she disclosed. None of them would say that. They would all know that they had a high likelihood of death. Like, if anything, if they were mad, they'd be like, don't fucking do it because we will die. You will die, yeah. and then they will come and, and kill this us. this is something that, that crops up in a couple of these um, movies that we're looking at this month from the 90s, is this weird emphasis on disclosing and coming out of the closet as a zero-sum game mm-hmm. and the only good. Where sometimes it's nobody's fucking business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the, 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 these movies of... The 90s have grasped that coming out can be a relief and a freeing thing, and it's good for people to be accepting, but it, it only in a way that's like you come out to everybody at all times. And they deserve the truth about like you. They watched mm-hmm. Harvey Milk. What the fuck? Huh? Yeah, it's so weirdly centered on, like, the straight cis people deserve to know this about you. Also, apparently, they clocked them from the beginning anyway. Yeah. So oh, and then there's the weirdly um, realistic and upsetting grounded plot about Stockard Channing getting the shit beat out of her by her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a plot line in A this total, film. total departure, because what is this movie? This movie did not decide a tone, which is why, again, it is probably the first draft, because they just wrote and whatever they ideas they had. Because mm-hmm. it's the 90s, and, and who cares? Care. Mm-hmm. The bubble has not burst on anything. It's a gay movie. You can just do whatever. The They're... Berlin Wall fell. The world is a happy place. The budget is balanced for a hot second. Yeah, there's there's a scene, and one of the scenes in the domestic abuse subplot just stops. Like, it doesn't end. It just stops. Yeah, because um, that's, um, that's Vita's plot, is she... Uh realizes that their host, Stocker Channing, is being abused by her husband and she wants to help because she's a fixer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so they go round and round a couple times. And then eventually she beats the shit out of out of the abusive husband, but does not kill him the second time in this movie where killing a man would have solved so many problems. I mean, they should kill the rape gang while they're at it. I mean, while we're here. Yeah. Just cleanse the town. <laughs> Please, excuse, like, like, I don't know how they were, like, except this is a rural town, this community-based, how are the, the the roving, like, right, like, it's very possible for misogyny to take root in small towns and racism. But I feel it like there's not enough happen. humans in this town to sustain a rape gang like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's not enough people for them to want <laughs> yeah, to like prey on. six dudes, like, and again, a town of, like, 14. They are half the population. <laughs> Like, what is this? Like, and who are they born They're, from? Where are their this parents? This is some Mad Max shit. Also, the... Like, did they just move? They're like, ah, I think there's an opening for a roving <laughs> rape can over here. Ah, well, let's well, fill in our application and see if we can get Stop in. This Channing's character says she finds Mel Gibson hot. Oh. A joke that didn't age well. Because uh, mm-hmm. they're talking about how we should kill yeah. all the men on the planet. 
And then all the ladies say, oh, well, not all of them, because it's a real funny hashtag not all men moment delivered to you by trans women. Yep. And she's like, okay, we can keep Mel Gibson, but he's not allowed to think or talk. (laughs) That joke aged. Again, a place where you could have a nuanced conversation. Like, I'm like, you know, one of those people who will joke kill all men. But like, let's be like, right. You could have a nuanced conversation in which you were like, yo, like not all men are bad when you're dealing with trauma, blah, blah, blah. And queer men exist and, you know experience and power dynamic you could do a very complicated conversation right, but the joke in this movie. scene is she doesn't know she's talking to men right now <laughs> oh. even though they're clearly trans women yeah ha 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 these trans women uh. i mean drag queens so oh there was that scene like right before that where she like tilts her head and her wig falls off and she is visibly i know patrick wrecked. Swayze is doing too much acting for this movie mm-hmm and that like totally like like that move that was the moment that like I was already done with this movie but I was like extra mm-hmm. done I was another layer of done because it was so convincingly sad that I was so mad that the premise of this movie is that like this is not a trans person this isn't a person who's like dealing with the thing in the best that she can and society yeah. is making and her be a drag you know you can contrast that with the end of Tangerine mm. it, it feels like. It's using something that should be a really, really potent and and kind of violent moment as a very light punchline and then smash cut to another scene. And it's really fucked up. Right. And that scene's so fucked up anyway, because like that that's the scene where Chi Chi finally calls Vita on like, you're kind of a racist asshole who's white savioring all over our business and telling us what to do. And then they, they and have Vita's getting racist about it. Yeah, she's she says some horrible racism. racist yeah. shit. But then her wig gets pulled and she has this hor- that horrified trauma look and it pivots into that. Because, again, Patrick Swayze is doing too much acting for this movie. He's, like, actually trying to do something here. Mm-hmm. And he shouldn't because this movie doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one, of, it's one of, like, it's got the Breakfast on Pluto problem this movie does, where it has that original sin of, yeah, cast a cis person, but the performance is in some ways evocative and interesting. And, like, it feels like a lot of the times, like, Patrick Swayze's character is, like, like, in a different movie because of, like, the blocking, like, of her being in the abuse storyline. So her, like, having a dramatic moment almost feels in tone with her storyline. But before that, you get, like, haha, it's me, it's Chi-Chi, I'm having a good time, Miha. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, uh, and, you know, like, ooh, I'm helping everyone. I'm so sassy. Like, let's also show. has sort of a parallel storyline, which is very much about, like, sort of 90s gay blackness. Except that they don't actually go anywhere with that. Got the gloss of, of you know, gay 90s films about the black community that I've seen. I can't believe they made Queer Eye, like, the remake <laughs> yep, of this movie. <laughs> and it culminates in that really heterosexual dance scene you mentioned, where it's like the the horrible mirror image of a John Waters film. Because, like, those films are ostensibly straight, but they come from such a queer perspective. Yeah, and a sensibility of mm-hmm. camp. And, and like just a, a, a an entire grounding in the way the film is made from the ground up that it knows how ridiculous all of this is and it's laughing at it where this movie is not it's not it's not laughing at it okay but Vita and Starker Channing's characters it's like, are oh so sweet though. everyone's mm-hmm. straight now oh my god and like all this movie had to do really was like like this like there was potential in a, in a concept three trans women end up in a rural town 
Like, right, if it was played by three trans women actresses and then they, uh-huh. like, help people be queer. Yeah, they help the local lesbian come out and escape her abusive husband. Honestly, I'd watch that. Yeah. And that would be cool. I would act in that film. I would be in it. I'd be the Chi-Chi annoying character. I, I'd accept being an annoying character so long as it wasn't racist. Boy, there are is many it. problems with Chi-Chi and the racism is a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, the, the playing off her trauma and therefore making her just like it makes me mad that they don't make me like that they make me not like her given that she has a you know a trans yeah. woman of color like, sex there should worker. be something here but leguizamo is just flattening all of that out yeah he's not even trying to play it at a patrick swayze level uh, and like find the interior sensitivity of this character he's just playing a stereotype yeah yeah, like he's like making fun of women that he knew growing up and or like, something. This character's clearly a teenager. And it's just mean. It, like the character feels mean. Like mean to trans women, mean to drag queens, and mean to women. It cis sucks. women. All across um, the and board. then uh the the cop and the abusive husband have somehow found one another. Also we we get a hilarious scene where we find out that the the cop is being karmically punished because he's secretly gay. Oh ho, my! Ho, ho. Yes, if you thought we were getting out of this movie without the homophobe is secretly gay trope, more fool you. Um, they show up. Yeah, I thought we were gonna. I thought we were gonna get a double whammy of that, where the abusive husband's also secretly gay, and they like <laughs> run off together. Like I thought they were gonna give up <laughs> on the quest and just go be gay, and I was gonna be like, well, I mean, at, at least, least that's he a didn't new end joke. up hooking up with Vita. Uh huh. Which again, that why did you? Why did you set that, plant that with why the did, shoe? Why the glass slipper, which he's carrying around with him? Yeah. What was he going to do? Force her to wear I it to guess. prove it? Like, hey, I'm going to kill you if this shoe fits on you. No. Put it on. No. <laughs> well, anyone put on this shoe so and I can then, shoot um, you. The town pulls an I'm Spartacus moment and the bad guys are defeated. They just, and they just. I'm walk a drag away? Queen. They just walk away. They just give up. I don't know if they've ever seen a cop before, but like they would have shot the the local lesbian girl with the abusive husband as soon as she started walking out. Like he wouldn't have hesitated. Like this ta- this town tolerates rape gangs. I'm pretty sure they'd be okay with murdering your wife. Mm-hmm. But but it does just go to show, you know. We're really the ones who are discriminating. By having these expectations of rural America. Well, all you need to do is perform a lot of emotional labor and straight people will take care of you. Yeah, you just fix everything in the straight cis people's lives. And then they might have something against people murdering you. They will allow you to leave their town unharmed. (laughs) Okay, but... And they'll want you to come to a party with them. Which you have to do all the physical and emotional labor for You must put it together, but they'll show up. Yeah, and you also have to perform for them, of course. You you dance, like, that was supposed to be, like, a fun scene, but, like, really, it's the drag queens performing for free for a bunch of mm-hmm. cis people. I don't know if... Before they go I on mean, their drive. I don't know if this town has the capacity to tip. I think they have one $20 bill that they just all pass around between them. <laughs> That's all of the commerce. Yeah. And that there is one final moment where I swear to God, even the script doesn't know what the... Knows that Vita is a trans woman because her big cathartic moment is in her incredibly lesbian moment with Stockard Channing, where she says, "You don't know how long I've been waiting for somebody to say, you know, they're proud of me and they love me with that name." I'm like, "Okay, so you're a full timer, and this is your name. This is not your drag name. It's your name." 
Like, which we've been new. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, like, hmm. what? It was so messed up. I was like, what is happening here? How did they just have a trans lesbian moment? And then, first of all, they squander it. They, they squander it. Plus, like, this is getting into waters that are not covered by the three categories of people listed mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie. Yes. She, she clearly, clearly likes, likes her. Likes her. Also, she we clearly can... doesn't like men. Mm-hmm. Like, there is absolutely yeah. no hint at any point that Vita likes men. Yeah. Th- this She's is not a, a big... gay man. <laughs> this is a big lesbian. This is a trans lesbian character. 10,033%. There is a sad undercurrent of a better film that isn't this film about she is she's a trans lesbian who feels like she can't identify that way because she likes women and wants to keep her dick. But yeah. this film can't handle that. You know, right? Same girl. Um I like that's definitely a place that I was at. Uh <laughs> You know, it was like, yeah, but that can't be me. I can't be that. And I had to try like a bunch of transitional labels because I just didn't feel comfortable because the idea from movies like this and stuff like that is like, this is a certain kind, like, these are the exact bars in which you must reach Mm -hmm. to be a trans Yeah, trans heterosexuality, especially for trans women, such a thing in 90s films. Like, excessively performative Mm -hmm. heterosexuality. Yeah, which, you know, it's it's so disturbing and it really does play up to like the TERF mentality too. Like, this is where TERFs get their... Like, mm-hmm. ideas of trans women from. Like, you're playing out femininity. It's like, no, actually, you just you've, watched you've one movie. You've seen a drag show, which is specifically meant to be a mockery of gender in general. Yes, and you decided this drag show is a literal performance of how all trans in women perceive gender. <laughs> and, and then, of course, at the end, the coda is, they go, they leave town. Oh, and then Stockard Channing pulls back on that whole moment. Oh, yeah. And is like, I don't see you as a as a a man or a woman. And it's like, fuck you. I see you fuck as an you. angel. Uh-huh. Fuck you very much. Thank you. Maybe go away. Uh-huh. Bye. Yes, and then they leave town and go to the performance where Chi-Chi wins somehow, despite the fact that she did not place in the competition. Well, they let her in, clearly. They must have fought for her with their sass and fierceness. <laughs> They said, no, you have to let her perform. She's the fiercest <laughs> girl here. Girl. And Julie Newmar is there to give the crown the end. Thank you, Wong Fu. <laughs> I just... Thanks for everything. <laughs> like, I feel like there are individual scenes in this movie that are charming still, even watching it again. Um, but it's it's mired in so much shit that it's not even worth it. Like... Like, if it's this person paid me to look over this script and edit it for them, you know, as cis people <laughs> sometimes do. Not not for movies yet, but, um, yeah. Uh, like, you know, if I looked over this script, I'd be like, there is stuff that is good here. I don't hate you for making me read this. I, I could work with this, but you're going to need to change most of everything. There's just tiny the bits you can use. You just went ahead and made a movie out of it. Yeah, they would have never consulted a trans person for this. No, no, we'll just consult a drag queen. No. RuPaul. Right, One, well, listen, RuPaul. we got a gay man to write it and a woman to direct it. That's basically the same thing, right? You put them together and... Uh, Boom, you, you did it, you got trans. <laughs> trans is just the, the Venn diagram between woman and gay, right? Uh... <laughs> 
truly the binary. There's there's only two genders, <laughs> woman and gay. We did, we did it. We cracked in the genders. <laughs> we we cracked it. Take that, Bill Nye. I knew your science was bullshit with multiple spectrums intersecting. I'll own the libs with this movie. It's such a bummer, you know? It's like, I feel there's not that much in the 90s for even trans-adjacent shit and, like, then Certainly not mass-market stuff. Mm-hmm. Then we ended up with this. I, it, I mean, at least this movie, I think, is largely forgotten by most people. I've n- I never heard of it before. You, it's like, do you want to do this movie? And I was like... <laughs> no, but I no, will. No, but I will take that hit. Thank I mean, you. I still occasionally hear it come up in conversation, but only in the context of like strange '90s, weird, yeah, uh, allegedly gay movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly odd, but and it has it has a, a long, an overly long, stupid title. So yeah, I was shook when I saw the actual title because you always said it was too long, food, and I was like. Why is it called Tu Wong Fu? And then I just saw the whole title. I was like, what are you doing with this? Did you want no one to watch your movie? It doesn't tell you anything about what's going on. No, but see, that's how that's how the lesbians connect at the end, is they both think Julie Newmar is statuesque. Yes, because they're lesbians. Uh-huh, they're in lesbians, and then she leaves her behind and her de- and her abusive husband isn't dead. So he's probably gonna come back and murder her. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not gonna when you come back around when you're driving back through. There's going to be a, t- a different landscape. <laughs> the husband will have teamed up with the cop and the rape gang and just ravaged the town. You didn't know the rape gang are good now. Again, they gra- one per- one of them got their balls grabbed they and out now they are good. That. <laughs> they learned to just be like a big like polyamorous group that like grabs each other's <laughs> balls really hard. And then they like, you know what? My urges <laughs> right, are now satisfied. We don't have to do any raping anymore. We're just, in- we're just a leather gang now. If I have nails... <laughs> Like Noxima's, I wouldn't go around grabbing people's balls. That's a good way to break your nails. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's a good solid nails. But not that solid. Ugh. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to sit through this for us. I promise we will do a fun time movie next time you're on. <laughs> I can do more bad times in the <laughs> but future. You, but... you deserve at least 50% like this, this was good interesting because it was uh-huh. like, it really was more. like, you, you deserve all the good mm-hmm. stuff. Aww. <laughs> well thank you thank well you. in light of that very sweet one of the things that is good is ways that people can give you money on the internet if they've liked this good good conversation you have offered how can people give you money on the internet yes uh well you can go to patreon.com backslash alexis sarah where you can find the latest posts podcasts and other fun content such as live streams and youtube videos that i create currently i'm working on a prose story and several comics for you to read Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I love I love the entirety of of self promotion voice. It's, it's a thing. very close to customer service voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes me sad because you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I am trying to service the potential customers. I suppose it is not it's not that different. Of course, all my stuff is up for free generally, except for things that I'm like under contract. I cannot put this up for free. It will devalue the product of someone else mm. if I can give you but a But part of the free. emphasis of Pride Month is, yeah. especially this year, is that you should, instead of supporting movies made by the mainstream cis straight creators, is seek out marginalized artists and give them your money instead. So, 
And once you have finished looking over Alexis's work, you can come find more of us. If you like this podcast, you can go to SoundCloud and look up Trash and Treasures. If you uh, leave a rating or review, we really appreciate it. It helps people to find us. Uh, you can also get a hold of us on the internets uh, via email at treasures underscore pod at outlook.com or on social media. We're on Tumblr at trashandtreasurespod.tumblr.com. Yes, we're still there. Uh, we're on Pillowfort uh, if you search Trash and Treasures. Or we're on Twitter at TrashPod. Um, you know, just come say hi to us any old where. Um, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Today, um, speaking of Alexis being back, it seemed fitting to uh, give a shout out to Anne Morrison, who uh, came by and was really delighted with our very excellent lesbian pirate movie casting. So that's at least four people who are now here for this Zoe Saldana lesbian pirate movie, and I think that that's enough to get it greenlit and made. <laughs> yes, hook hook us up. Come on, let's get let's get it. Let's get Janelle Monae, just like we said. Let's get the whole crew. I'm so yeah, come here on for Hollywood. It. All right, that's just the way they make me feel. <laughs> Next time Sorry. we will be in here finishing out Pride Month with a different guest. Um, I'll go ahead and let that be a surprise. But thank you again so much, Alexis, for being here with us. And next time we see you, we'll do something fun times instead. Cool. Thank you so much for letting me on. And listen to Trash and Treasures, more episodes. If you're listening for me, seriously, I love this podcast. I listen to them like when I drive. Uh, and it's always so entertaining. Uh, it helps me because I get anxious when I'm in the car and I don't have anyone with me. So I'm like... Cool. It's like my friends are hanging out with me. We are happy to be your car friends or your subway friends or all the places that a person needs friends because the world is on fire. <laughs> and on that note, take care of yourselves, listeners. See y'all. Bye.